Welcome to the latest episode of Schneps Connects. We are talking about Battery Park City in this episode, and we have a great guest with us, BJ Jones, who's the president and CEO of the Battery Park City Authority. It's a 92-acre community of commercial, residential, retail, and open space, including 36 acres of public parks on Manhattan's Lower West Side. There's not that much open space in Manhattan, so that's definitely a big open space for the city. He has overseen the development of the organization's first strategic plan, creation of a new five-year capital plan, diversification of community program offerings, the closing of $673 million in financing, and the launch of ambitious new resiliency, sustainability, and affordability initiatives. BJ began his career in KPMG's state and local government consulting practice and served in various positions in the Bloomberg administration. He's the author of What Makes Government Work Great, The Characteristics of Positive Public Service in the Journal of Public Personnel Management. So with that, it's great to have you with us, BJ. Thanks so much for uh, sharing about Battery Park City. Yeah. Hi, Josh. And I'm really glad to be here. Thanks for that nice intro. You know, I have a couple of young kids. We live in Brooklyn, but I, I know Battery Park City is very well known as being uh, family friendly amongst many other things. But share with us a little bit about the authority and, and what your role is there. Yeah, well, you did a nice job kind of summarizing kind of what the, the authority is today, like this mixed use community, 92 acres, as you mentioned, but a third of that is public um, park space, park space that families enjoy, as you had mentioned. But I think, you know, one of the things that's notable about this is, you know, Battery Park City and the, you know, the grand scheme of things is still relatively new. Where these 92 acres are, are where dilapidated piers were once crumbling into the Hudson River. And so the authority was created just over 50 years ago to extend the shoreline and using a landfill in part from the construction of the Twin Towers to help create kind of the platform on which this neighborhood is built. And uh, so now that it's, you know, largely built out, we're focused on maintaining this neighborhood, but also kind of creating vibrant park and public spaces. And so, you know, what we do runs the gamut. You know, we're part parks department. We have a real estate component to what we do and also, uh, you know, a team that programs our parks and more. And so in overseeing this team, I'm overseeing not just a talented team, but a very multidisciplinary one. So we have electricians and plumbers and lawyers and accountants and art specialists and, wow. and horticulturalists and more. Talk to me about the boundaries. What, what is your northern and I guess eastern boundaries? Yeah, so on the east side is uh, West Street, where, you know, located right across from the 9-11 Memorial. And to the north, um, Stuyvesant High School is on the northern boundary um, of Battery Park City, part of Battery Park City, kind of just above Chambers Street. And to the south, we extend uh, through Wagner Park and to Pier A. And then, of course, the Hudson River is our uh, western uh, boundary. It's good that you have the streets because I feel like if you drop somebody in Brooklyn, you could argue all day about what neighborhood is you're standing. <laughs> the river and, and West Street kind of help make it clear where Battery Park City is situated. I know that a lot of waterfront communities are, are dealing with resiliency because of uh, Sandy and obviously warming and water kind of heights growing. So what are some of the things that you're planning for 
when it comes to resiliency? That's a really important focus um, for us uh, right now because we are a coastal uh, community. And uh, with that, like other coastal communities in New York City and beyond, you know, we have some serious vulnerabilities, you know, with climate change happening and the window narrowing to take action to really combat it um, proactively. And so, you know, as part of our responsibility in taking care of this neighborhood, we want to make sure that it's actually built to last. And so we're undergoing a um, comprehensive resiliency effort in concert with the city as part of the overall Lower Manhattan coastal resiliency effort to build flood protection around the neighborhood, eventually locking into the rest of Lower Manhattan, but doing it in a way that not just protects the neighborhood and keeps the water out, but also makes our public spaces more resilient so they can stand the test of time too. And if I'm not mistaken, you recently released a climate action plan. So could you maybe share a little bit about that? And I'm sure yeah. that's something to do with resiliency as well. Yeah, adapting to a changing climate is really important to what we're doing. And so that is uh, not just when it comes to dealing with infrastructure improvements to protect against floods. You know, we are thinking about our role in fighting climate change, you know, more holistically and hoping we can be a model for the city and, and other communities. So we released a sustainability plan um, just two years ago on Earth Day, kind of recommitting ourselves to a future of environmental responsibility. And part of that was developing a climate action plan so we could really focus on what the uh, path forward looks like when it comes to carbon emissions if we do nothing. And no surprise, it doesn't look good. And what we can do if we take action in concert with the state and the city and, and the federal government to reduce emissions. And, you know, a big piece of it, the biggest piece of that is looking at energy. And we also are looking at transportation and waste as well. So kind of a three uh, pronged approach um, where we, through electrifying buildings and having more electric cars on the road and reducing waste, uh, we can really make a serious dent. And we're looking at it not just in what the authority does in our own operations. We're trying to provide a playbook for the community writ large to help these building owners and residents take action and make it easier for them to figure out what they have to do, but also to align them with resources to help them get there. Yeah, I guess that's what was one of my questions is what authority do you have? Or are you more trying to play, listen, here are some of the best practices and then setting up meetings with people that can help execute them? Is that kind of the position that you're in or is it beyond that? Yeah, it's a bit of a mix. I mean, certainly, you know, we do have, you know, the 32 acres of public space in our own operations. And so we want to make sure that we're setting a good example and mm -hmm. I think our zero waste efforts recently are an example of that. We recently got certified for figuring out how to kind of divert 90% of our waste from landfill in our parks operations facility and have been recognized for that work and the mm -hmm. expansion of our composting program. But even where we don't have a direct role, like we can't make, we can make it easier for you to do something. And so we've developed new green guidelines to help buildings and residents understand what actions they can take, an implementation plan to kind of chart those steps out. And we've been working regularly with the community and the building managers to not only just educate them further, but also 
to um, align them with available incentives. There's a lot going on at the city and state level with the New York City Accelerator Program, but also NYSERDA and NYPA who have a lot to offer as well. So it's a, it's a mixed strategy. That's terrific. You know, when I think of Battery Park City, I, I think residential. Yeah. But, you know, what is there a thriving commercial district there? And, and how do you work with businesses in the area? Yeah, your residential component is obviously so important to Battery Park City and, you know, part of the, the fabric of the neighborhood. But we are a commercial center too. Brookfield Place is right in the middle of Battery okay. Park City. Yeah, and yeah. so, you know, we have thousands of people who come to the neighborhood, you know, to work every day. And, they are back because the lines at Hudson Eats, the food court in uh, Brookfield Place, are really long again. And so that's, that's, good a, <laughs> that's a good indicator of, you know, what's happening in uh, our neck of the woods. Goldman Sachs is there, too. So there's a strong commercial um, element to the neighborhood as well, not to mention cultural institutions like the Museum of Jewish Heritage, the Skyscraper Museum, Poets House, schools, and, and more. So there really are a lot of things happening in Battery Park City. It's funny how, as a New York City resident, sometimes perceptions are faced. But listen, you have Goldman Sachs, one of the largest employers, probably in New York City in your backyard. And, you know, there's been a lot of news of them bringing back their employees, which I'm sure has a positive effect on the local businesses. How can you say the local retailers fared during the pandemic? I think it's no exception here what the rest of the city and the world has been facing. You know, it's been a real challenge, I think, at least for, you know, our residents, I think that's where, you know, our kind of underlying design to have a third of the neighborhood be um, public parks um, really became appreciated more than ever, you know, people had space to kind of breathe and relax and enjoy when, you know, the world was a very different place. But um, I see the activity picking up a lot you know, in this neighborhood and just the feeling at, you know, spring and summer, just, you know, the seasonal change certainly doesn't hurt, but there's a buzz here again when, you know, there there was a moment where it was, you know, pretty desolate. Well, I think you do benefit from open space for sure. And I do want to talk about your public arts program because I think it's a really great asset, but also something that hopefully other neighborhoods could follow, even if they don't have as much open space. So could you share a little bit about your arts programming? Yeah, sure. I think no matter how much public space you have, investing in it is really important. And, you know, there's been studies that show just the economic benefits of parks, making those spaces not only beautiful and and safe, but engaging. And so we have public programming uh, with a range of events, concerts, art classes, and more. But we also have a public art program as well. You know, part of our legacy too is, you know, embracing the importance of public art um, early on. And so we've kind of recommitted ourselves to that Uh, recently, but now with temporary public art. um, We have a new public art piece by Shuli Sade, and it's an augmented reality piece that's designed to help, you know, connect people and help them appreciate kind of our environment a little bit more. But, uh, you know, we have an opera coming downtown to Battery Park City for the first time this summer, which we're really excited about. So it's a lot to look forward to for um, for all of us and, you know, all the more reason for um, you and your listeners to come check us out. Talk to me about where people could find out about the details on the, the programming. 
you know, you can find details on our programming and the resiliency projects or sustainability efforts and more by visiting our website at bpca.ny.gov. You can also follow us on uh, social media at BPC Parks on Instagram, for example. So we have a lot of information online on kind of what's happening here, whether it comes to programming, resiliency, or, you know, sustainability and, uh, and then some. You know, you made a point, which I'm like a big cheerleader of, is that New York City residents have to act like uh, tourists. We have to visit some of the other landmarks and neighborhoods that we're so not used to doing as as residents versus tourists. But I think it's probably become more and more important as we're still, you know, waiting on tourism to fully recover. Did you rely in terms of the neighborhood a lot on tourism? What do you think in terms of uh, people visiting the area? Yeah, I mean, you know, tourism has been really important to New York City and lower Manhattan in general, certainly to us, you know, too, you know, our parks were a draw, the views of the Statue of Liberty. And so not having um, tourists here certainly had an impact, I think, to our um, benefit, you know, we have this mixed use um, community. So it's kind of like having a diverse portfolio. So there is, you know, with the schools and the cultural institutions and just, you know, people living here, we have a lot that we can, you know, rely on to keep this neighborhood a thriving one. Well, one thing I can tell you is that uh, this conversation has definitely got me to say that I need to come back with my family and check out Battery Park City because it's been too long. And I know it's a beautiful community and I think everyone else should think about it as well. Yeah, you know, sometimes I think Battery Park City is is still too well kept a secret. And, uh, you know, as you said in your opening, it's a family-friendly place. We're very proud of that. But, you know, these public spaces, you know, are for the the public. And so, you know, it's for everyone um, to enjoy. And we are, you know, really passionate about maintaining it in world-class fashion. So uh, residents, visitors, students, workers are all welcome here. Well, thank you, BJ, for uh, being on here and also uh, helping to make New York City a better place to live and work. Thank you again so much for the opportunity. And, you know, let me know if you're in the neighborhood. I will, for sure. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for joining the Schneps Connects podcast. To listen to our podcast, you can always visit podcast.schnepsmedia.com or stream us wherever you get your podcasts.